The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. First and goal at the three. Kanziri the carry. Kanziri the touchdown. And the Hawkeyes take the 6 nothing lead. What a start today, Coach, for Jordan Kanziri. Eight carries, 55 yards, and his second rushing touchdown of the year. And an Iowa march that went 90 yards, and it turned into a touchdown on Jordan Kanziri's three-yard run over the right side and a 7 nothing lead for the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast is a reporter's notebook segment during bye week. It features Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' road victory over the Purdue Boilermakers. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten Coaches Call. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Next week, before the Michigan game, be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast with Scott Docterman. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Glenn Mason. A nice job on this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call this week. Here's some of what he had to say about old-school approaches used by winning Big Ten teams, about his approach with respect to his running backs during this second bye week, on what the next two games will tell him about this year's Hawkeyes, on the development of defensive end Drew Ott, and on the coaches poll and its impact on the BCS rankings and whether he might ever participate in it. Uh, you know, I guess my... Uh first response would be just look at the first Big Ten championship game. Yeah, both those teams uh, didn't necessarily run the offense. It's the flavor of the day or flavor of the week. You know, they're, they're a little bit more traditional. There's only been two t- Big Ten champions so far, you know, out of the championship game at least, and that's uh, Wisconsin two times. So, you know, everybody's, there's perceptions about a lot of things out there, especially about styles of play and that type of thing, but uh, the bottom line is doing, doing the best thing for what it is your your players can do, and, uh, you know, if it, if it means being more quote-unquote old school or whatever, then that, that's one thing and then other other places uh you look down what's going on baylor right now they're certainly very very well suited to play the way they play so i think everybody just tries to do what they uh they feel is best uh, given their personnel Biggest thing, you know, Bullock and Weissman have had a lot of work, so probably rest in those guys, and we'll try to do that with all of our, our guys that have uh, accumulated a lot of snaps. We've got guys that, you know, have played uh, upwards uh, close to 800 plays, so, you know, some of those guys you want to try to let them get their legs back a little bit and uh, freshen up, and then the other guys will continue to push forward a little bit, and I think that's one thing we saw at Jordan Saturday. You know, his legs are a little fresher maybe than some of the other guys. He hasn't had the wear and tear, so hopefully it's a chance to, to rest the guys that have uh, gone hard and then and maybe uh, push the other 
other guys forward a little bit. And the biggest thing is, you know, try to get the guys that are nicked up healthy, and so we can have a really good week of uh, preparation next week for our for our next opponent. You know, it's pretty easy. We'll be six and six, seven and five, or eight and four. One's two better than the other, and you know, one's right in the middle there. So it's it's uh, you know, they're all they're all important. Certainly, we've surpassed last year's total, which which is a positive, and, and that was certainly a goal of ours. But uh, you know, we still have two games left, so I mean, we're, we're thrilled to, to be at this point. We uh, when we got together last Tuesday, that was really the message, and uh, you know, the best we could do was come out of that week uh, with six wins, and, and we got that done. So you know, we got two games left to play, and uh, you know, we live in a, a world where everybody wants to predict the future. Future and you know, no in uh, used to be no in August, but now it's like you know everybody wants to know in February, you know what the record's going to be next year. That, that's why everybody plays, you know, and that that's the exciting part about it. And uh, a couple conference races going on right now, or division races, and you know the national scene, all those things. This, this to me is when football is really enjoyable in November when uh, you know you got a lot of different levels, but everybody's playing for something, and every game means a lot. Yeah, I think he's really progressed well. And, uh, you know, last year we, we made the decision to go ahead and play him, knowing that he wouldn't start uh, necessarily and, and not even knowing how much he'd play. And right now we have four freshmen that are doing the same thing uh, that are playing for us. And, yeah, none of them are starting, but, well, one is starting, but uh, I was out of injury uh, necessity. But I, I think the benefit of playing a guy in his first year is it just makes him better suited to, to go in the second year. And that was kind of our thought last year. We thought that Drew would have an excellent chance of earning a job this year, which he's done. And, and I've, and, you know, I've seen him progress and improve improved immensely since, uh, you know, even during the fall last year, but more so in the spring and summer. And he, he's hardly there yet, but the one thing about him, you know, he's just a tough-minded guy, uh, extremely hard worker. He's a, he's a great team guy, and he's got that attitude that a lot of our really good players have had. So he's not there physically yet, and how could he be? He's only in his second year, and he was, uh, quote-unquote, you know, undersized coming out of high school. But, you know, he's working really hard, and I'm just I'm thrilled he's on our team. He's, he's really doing a good job, and we're very excited about what's in front of him. Yeah, I got a couple thoughts on that. First of all, I'm, I'm the last guy to ask about BCS stuff. I have no idea how all that works. Other than I know if you win, that's good. Uh, the more you win, the better it is. Secondly, yeah, I've, I'm not on that poll, and that's for a reason only because the only teams I really feel like I could even comment on are the ones that we see, you know, week to week on film, uh, or the ones we've already played. But uh, I see, I see a lot less than the average fan as far as like, you know, how Oregon or Stanford look that type of thing. And then the third thing is, and, and I guess a couple of years ago they started making the, the the BCS voting or the poll voting, you know, public. Like, which, like, you know, it's just one more nightmare for everybody to have to endure. So, yeah, that's the world we live in. So, yeah, I'm trying to stay out of that one, if, if at all possible. Unless they mandate it, you can, you can count on me staying out of it. Webster now punting into that win for the first time today. Hangs it up there. Martin Manley calls for a fair catch. The ball is loose, and Purdue's got it at the 35-yard line. Recovered by Armstead Williams. A huge mistake by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And that wind played a real factor in fielding that punt for Kevontae Martin-Manley. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times.
time now for our bi-week Reporter's Notebook show with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Purdue game and more. Steve, your overall thoughts from the win at Purdue. Iowa powered past the Boilermakers 38-14. The previously anemic offense in terms of the second half and especially the fourth quarter got healthy at least for one game. Purdue was probably just what the doctor ordered to cure the Hawkeyes' offensive problems. Yeah, I think, I think that uh, when you take a look at uh, what transpired, it was a, a pretty business-like uh, situation for Iowa. They came out, floored uh, a little bit with Purdue. I mean, Purdue uh, gave them a couple of looks. I don't think they anticipated defensively. It took some time to adjust, and they were able to uh, to get those things taken care of. And, and uh, once that happened, it was it was pretty much things went as expected. And, and, and as things have gone really for pretty much every opponent Purdue has played so far in the Big Ten. Yeah, it was Purdue, 1-8, and 0-5 oh in the Big Ten. It's easy to understand after you watch them why they're struggling this year and probably the worst team in the conference. They're losing streaks now at 7. What did this win really tell us, though, about Iowa? Well, I think it, it told us that this is a team that, uh, you know, is able to come out and take care of business when 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 needed uh, against an opponent that it, it should be able to handle. And, and, you know, that's significant. That doesn't always happen. And, um, you know, this group, uh, you know, took took the challenge last week seriously and, and uh, uh, you know, knew that it was going to be a situation where they should have been able to run the ball fairly effectively against a defense that was giving up over 200 yards a game and on the ground, and, and, and they were able to do that. And, uh, you know, you know and that that is important. I mean, you, you've got to be able to come out and do that kind of stuff against teams that uh, that you need to, to be able to handle. A lot of uh, social media chatter going into that game, and even through the first half on Saturday, about uh, concerns with respect to Ferentz teams often playing down to their level of competition, but ultimately when this game finished, that was definitely not the case. The Hawkeyes have become bowl eligible with this uh, win. They also, it was the 300th Big Ten win in, in the team's history. They got to play a lot of backups again in the fourth quarter on both sides of the ball, uh, and it's their third road win. That's the most since they won four games in 2009. Yeah, progress in a lot of ways. 509 yards of total offense, uh, impressive. The uh, defense holds Purdue to uh, 53 yards on the ground. Uh, uh, you know, it just just a nice combination of things happened Saturday, and, and uh, uh, you know, the end result is Iowa is not ball eligible, uh, as you alluded to, and, uh, you know, can now start working on the destination, as, as, as uh, Hayden Fry used to like to say. In addition to the total yards you pointed out there, first downs, 28th, fourth highest under Ference, uh, most rushing yards going all the way back to 2002 against Minnesota, and it's the sixth game this year with 200 yards or more rushing, and the Hawks are uh, five and one in those, and the 24 second half points are the most in Big Ten play. In spite of all of that, Iowa only held a 14 to seven lead at the halftime, and at that point in the game, you had to think Purdue felt pretty good about itself. Well, they certainly had to feel like they were still in the thick of things, and 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 they came out in the second half and, and drove the ball a little bit, but then they turned it over, and Iowa went down and scored, and all of a sudden it became 21 to seven, and that that was a huge uh, fumble recovery that uh, uh, really set up a, a, a nice drive and a and a, and a game changing kind of uh, situation for Iowa. Let's dig a little deeper into the offense. The Hawks were 5 of 5 in the red zone with four touchdowns, one field goal. Rudock, even with a heavy knee brace, returned pretty much to form what we've expected now to see out of him all season long other than the Wisconsin game. 12 of 20 with one touchdown, 191 yards passing. The second quarter pass to Cavante Martin Manley, that was a thing of beauty on both ends. It may have been one of the best passes of the season and, and it was, uh, you know, the, the conditions on, on, on Saturday 
at, at, at Rossay were not ideal. Uh, there was an, an extremely strong wind uh, that, that was impacting things in both directions, and, and uh, that ball was delivered exactly where it needed to be. And, and uh, you know, Martin Manley did a wonderful job of, of pulling it in and and kind of making amends for for a, a, a fumbled uh, punt uh, earlier in the in the day. In spite of all the discussion this year about Iowa's rushing offense, that touchdown pass was Rudolph's 13th of the season, and he's had eight touchdown passes of 20 yards or more. And he joins, interesting little factoid, he joins Ohio State's Braxton Miller as the only Big Ten quarterback to have three games with two or more touchdown passes and no picks. You know, Jake has been, you know, incredibly poised and incredibly consistent, really, for a first-year guy. I mean, he's had his mistakes, but uh, which were to be expected, but but uh, he has delivered on a, on a consistent basis for Iowa, and that's one of those things that uh, it certainly uh, played out again that way on, on Saturday, no question. C.J. Beathard saw playing time again in the fourth quarter, got his first career touchdown with that five-yard naked boot, and Iowa's two quarterbacks completed passes. It was really all Rudock, I think, to seven different receivers, and have to give a little prop here to uh, Don Shumpert, who's been so heavily criticized, and I've certainly chimed in with my share over the last couple of years because of his problems with dropping passes, but he's really played well in the last two games, and against Purdue, the senior had two catches for a career best 69 yards. That's kind of a nice thing to see. Yeah, it is. It's a kid that uh, has kind of stuck with it, and, and when when he was having some issues with drops earlier this season, he he, uh, he was one of those guys who showed up on Tuesday to talk with the media and, 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 and faced it uh, up front, which, uh, you know, you, you appreciate that in a, in a in a, in a kid, and, and he certainly, uh, you know, he's having a nice run here. He's had four catches in the last two games and a huge fumble recovery on, on uh, Saturday as well that uh, really uh, kind of uh, put Iowa in, in, a, in, a, in a situation where, uh, you know, where they've been trying to get since, since the disappointment of last year. Certainly one of the major storylines coming out of West Lafayette was the breakout game for Jordan Canzeri. He, I think he demonstrated that he's particularly well-suited for Iowa's zone running schemes with his speed and the ability to, to make cuts. 165 yards, 20 carries, a whopping 8.25 yards per carry. It's his first career 100-yard game. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it seems like ancient history now, but I mean, there was a reason that he was on top of that depth chart going into the spring in, in 2012 and before he had the ACL injury, and, and, and we saw that on, on Saturday. I mean, Jordan Canterry is an awfully good running back, and he, he is a kid who, you know, he's kind of lived in the shadows here for the last year or so as he's worked his way back from that knee injury, and, and uh, he finally got an opportunity, and, and as Kirk uh, threw out there uh, uh, on Saturday, he, you know, he took it and ran with it, and there was no question. I mean, uh, he, he displayed some, you know, decisive moves, some, some uh, wonderful cut, really uh, d- just an all-around solid game for, for a guy who certainly has been waiting his turn. You'd have to think uh, that play merited a lot more playing time in Iowa's next three games, but Damon Bullock also played well. He had 85 yards, 10 carries, and he's only 12 yards. This doesn't really, you know, it's not a stat that you would normally think about here because, you know, he's, he's had a couple of good games, not a lot of consistency overall, but he's only 12 yards away now from a 1,000 career rushing yards at Iowa. Yeah, um, you know, it tells you what he's brought to the program here over time, and he has been he has been a, a guy who has kind of quietly produced, and, and, and uh, he's had a game or two where he, he's kind of stepped to the forefront, but uh, you know, a lot of times it's, it's just that day where he's maybe getting you 40, 45 yards, that kind of thing, and, and it really, uh, um, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, another guy who had a pretty solid day on Saturday, and, and he certainly, you know, gives some opportunities to in the passing game, although he didn't have a catch this past week. But, you know, multi-talented 
back. And, and, you know, another reason that Kirk has been saying all season long he likes all four of his guys, it's just a matter of finding a way to get them into the game. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I think it's accurate to say that Ference has a reputation for being loyal, sometimes almost to a fault, to his upperclassmen. And he's quick with a hook on younger players. And I'm thinking right now of the Kanzeri situation. And Kanzeri's been stuck at fourth on the depth chart all season. And especially given how he seems to fit nicely into Iowa's zone blocking schemes in that running game and on outside plays, not so much for Wiseman. Even Bullock has had some struggles there. How valid and fair do you think that viewpoint is? I, th- I think that, you know, Jordan is, is a guy who, who had a few drops early in his career, which obviously, as we know, that does factor into their way of thinking. And when you combine that with his the time that he missed, I think I th- there's some probably valid reasons as to why he hasn't been out there. I, I do think that uh, he probably warranted maybe a little closer look early in the season, but we don't see what goes on in practice all week long, and we don't know what, you know, is transpiring there. But, uh, you know, Mark Wiseman has obviously delivered and, and, and done, has done so for, for a year plus now. You know, LaShawn Daniels got a, an early look and, and, and produced. And, you know, and I, I think what helped Jordan as much as anything was the time that he got late in the Wisconsin game. He came in and was productive. He, he did the things that he was asked to do, and he, and he was able to put himself in a position to gain a little more playing time this past week, and, and, and he knew what to do with it once it was there. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix and match these guys moving forward because, as Kirk has said time and time again, he really struggles with getting four guys in. He's comfortable with three and giving them enough enough carries to kind of get into a flow, but getting that fourth guy involved has been very difficult. On the other side of the ball, Iowa's defense pretty much dominated, as you would have expected. They only gave up seven points when it really mattered, and that was on a short field after Martin Manley's fumbled punt. Great versus the run. You already mentioned they only gave up 53 yards on the ground, nine tackles for loss, two sacks. That's a pretty good day at the office. Yeah, it really was, and it was pretty consistent across the board. I mean, the guys up front, Mike Hardy had a, had a very solid game, filling in again for Dom Alves. Drew Ott had a, a good game on the other end. Uh, you know, and then the linebackers just continued to produce. So, you know, it was, it was a good mix for, for uh, Iowa's defense uh, against an admittedly, uh, you know, an, an offense that was averaging only 40 or 42 plus yards per game on the ground. So, so they, I mean, it's not like they, these were world beaters they were facing on Saturday, but they went out, they forced the quarterback to kind of stay within the pocket. They pressured him at times, but let him kind of do his thing at times and, and relied upon their, their uh, you know, their, their base defenses to kind of get things done, and it worked out pretty well. You mentioned Mike Hardy. You also heard uh, Louis Trinkett-Passat's name mentioned a lot. Those two guys really played well. It, it sets up an interesting dynamic when uh, Dom Alvis comes back, who was playing great. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get a, a lot of playing time working all those guys in there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Reese Morgan's challenge moving forward, assuming that uh, uh, that Dom is able to get over that back thing, and, and you know, they're, they've given him this bye week to, to be able to kind of get a little extra time as well. Uh, you know, I, I think to probably, you know, Reese has become kind of the master of, of uh, rotations, and, and uh, he's going to have another challenge on his hands. And, you know, I, I think they'll probably try to, to mix and match a little bit, and if Alvis can go, I think you'll see him out there and, and he'll produce because he has been fairly effective this year. And, and as a senior, I think they probably want to give him an opportunity to, to finish up you know, a career in, in style as long as he's healthy. You mentioned the play of the linebackers. Iowa fans should sit back and really appreciate not only what they've been watching, but presumably what they'll see in the next three games. When Anthony Hitchens caused that fumble that Kirksey recovered, that was the seventh turnover this season that Iowa's linebackers have accounted for. They've played like a group of seniors, and, and yeah, they've been able to force mistakes on the other team, take advantage of mistakes by the 
other team and, and, and deliver tackles when needed. It's, it's been a pretty solid group, and uh, you know I think they're probably going to appreciate that even more next season when they're not out there. But uh, it's one of those things that uh, you know whether it be Kirksey or, or Hitchens or, or, or certainly James Morris, it, it's been it's been consistent performances week after week, and and uh, you know that has allowed Iowa to, to put themselves in the position they're in. I guess the one thing that kind of surprises me a bit, and it's a little different than most of the years when Iowa's had winning records under Ferentz, they they usually have a pretty decent turnover margin, yet we're through 10 of the 12 games in regular season play, and Iowa sits at only plus one in that category. And, you know, some of that, some of that has been the turnovers that Iowa's had in terms of, of the, the picks that uh, have been thrown by, by Jake, and, and to some of that is kind of a, a you know, a function of his being a first-year quarterback, but uh, yeah, it, it is an area that Kirk mentioned a couple of weeks ago that would like to see that number move north a little bit, and you know, they, they have not produced a ton of turnovers, uh, despite playing some teams that have had a propensity to turn the ball over at times. It, it's been a solid defense, but it hasn't been a very opportunistic defense, which there is a difference, but uh, I think the solidness of it has allowed them to make plays. Special teams play. Mike Meyer, again, perfect on PATs. He had five plus his field goal. That streak now stands on the point after touchdowns at a record 112. I thought the more interesting thing in special teams play uh, Saturday was the punting game. I uh, Was it really interesting to hear Purdue coach uh, Daryl Hazel talk last week in detail at his press conference about his punt game scheme and exactly what and how they, they try to accomplish what they do. And they came into this game leading the nation in net punting and the big in putting average. But in this game, uh, Connor Cornblath, although he only had two punts, actually finished with better stats and produced Cody Webster. You know, the, the wind was a factor there. There were, there were some, you know, situations where Webster found himself punting into a, a pretty stiff bite. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it that played out uh, within within his numbers a little bit too. But uh, And then there was one situation late in the game where he just simply uncorked one into the end zone for uh, 56 yards. But, you know, I, it's one of those things I think that Iowa held its own in the punting game. And, and I think going into a game like that, that, that's your biggest concern. You don't want that segment of the game to beat you. And uh, it, it didn't happen. I, I think Connor uh, made the most of his two opportunities. And uh, he certainly uh, produced when, when needed. And, you know, the key for him moving forward will, will be consistency, and, and uh, as has been the case. But, uh, you know, a, a solid day for, for the sophomore and, and uh, not a ton on, on returns. Iowa. I mean, uh, Martin Manley had two ter- two returns for 11 yards of, as well as, as the, uh, you know, the drop that, uh, that set up Purdue's first touchdown. Okay, so now we're having our second bye week of the year, which is something new, a little bit unusual. It's kind of a nice break, for, I think, for everybody, but especially the team. It comes at an ideal time again for Iowa. They can let some injuries heal up. Certainly gives them extra preparation time before the Michigan game at Kinnick, and then, of course, the season-ender Black Friday game at Nebraska. Both of those games, and we've talked about this before, both of those games look winnable, but they also look easily losable depending on which version of Iowa's offense decides to show up. That will have a lot to do with it, yeah. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, Michigan and, and Nebraska both look uh, fairly human compared to maybe what they did back in September. And, uh, you know, this Michigan team is a pretty young football team. It, it, it has struggled up front with uh, on both sides of the ball uh, consistently throughout the season. And uh, the answers just haven't come there yet. And, you know, they, they've had negative yardage rushing the past two games. And, and that, that's a head-scratcher in Ann Arbor. And as they get ready to go to Northwestern this week before coming to Iowa City, they've got a lot of work to do to get this thing turned around. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that's going to happen this season. 
season with with Michigan. You know, they they certainly have some some uh, you know skill there. There's there's no shortage of talent on that roster, but uh, the pieces haven't quite fit together. Uh, Nebraska, you know, a big win for them, frankly, at, at Ann Arbor last weekend. Uh, it was a, a slugfest, but uh, they found a way. They still have some issues at quarterback, where it's been kind of a revolving door all season for them. But uh, uh, they have a huge game in Michigan State coming up this weekend, and and uh, a road trip to Penn State before they have to worry about the Hawkeyes. But uh, uh, you know, if they can find a way to get past Michigan State on Saturday, they could have a lot to play for heading down the stretch. Yeah, certainly a, a tough two-game stretch there for the Cornhuskers before they play Iowa. From Iowa's perspective, that's good. Uh, you play Michigan State and Penn State, even though it's struggling back to back. That's that's never easy. Michigan though does have the kind of quarterback that's given Iowa's defense fits. Yeah, it, it could be a nice wake-up call for for Devin Gardner, and and uh, you know I'm I'm sure Iowa will spend a little bit extra time working on on the mobile quarterbacks again this week. And uh, you know and, you know and they've done a, a better job against those guys this year than maybe they have in the past. And you know it, it'll be uh it'll be another challenge. You know it was men against boys up in Ann Arbor last year. It was probably the, the one game that Iowa really did not show up ready to go, and and they paid dearly for it. You can assume, you know for a fact, that Kirk and this team is not happy just with six wins and just with becoming bowl eligible. So they can substantially improve their bowl slotting with seven wins uh, and certainly with eight. And uh, that only adds to the fact that bowls take into account how well Iowa travels. No question. It's a situation where Iowa has a chance to maybe move up a few spots in the order. Uh, Some of it's going to depend a lot on, on, you know, how Wisconsin finishes out. Uh, Do they put themselves in a position to become a second Big Ten team in a a BCS bowl this year? If there is not a second Big Ten team, that is going to impact where Iowa ends up as well. So the Hawkeye fans have to kind of become Badger fans at this point. And and of course, uh, you know, whoever emerges, whether it be Michigan State or or Nebraska or, or, uh, you know, even Minnesota still is in the running. If if they were to get to Indianapolis and and pull off the upset of Ohio State, uh, that could could upset things a little bit as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played, as they say, and uh, a lot of it's going to impact where Iowa's destination may be. Certainly, I think both of those Texas Bowls are on the radar. The Gator Bowl as well are probably the three most likely suspects at this point. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room, so peace. And Ziri today with a career-high 165 yards and a touchdown. Damon Bullock, 85 yards on the ground. And the Hawkeyes bowl eligible under Kirk Ferentz for the 12th time in 15 years. Congratulations to the Iowa Hawkeyes after last year's disappointment not getting to a bowl game. You know, Iowa and its fans, who travel very well, will be very happy to punch their ticket to the postseason as they win their sixth game of the year. The final score today, Iowa 38, Purdue 14. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week. And as always, thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more and that you'll participate. You can do so by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. 
sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.